athletes like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Irwin. Like this guy here. His name is Fagan. Harrison Fagan. And we're live. Welcome, everybody, to I Loathe Basketball. I'm Anthony Irwin, as always, joined by Harrison Fagan, who just seconds ago admitted to me a legitimately, like, earth-shattering moment for me in terms... Like, I've already thought that Harrison and I were just polar opposites as human beings. I always thought that, like, Harrison was just, like, you know, designed in a lab to be my co-host because of how different he and I are. This might have gone a step too far, man. This is just, this is too much to take. I don't know how to deal with this. Um, you don't like soup. Oh, soup. I thought it was, I thought it was my take that Patrick Beverly should get more minutes that you were upset about. It was the soup honestly, thing. Honestly, <laughs> that's a better take than disliking soup. Who doesn't like soup? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I don't know. I don't like. I don't know. Like, I don't like eating warm liquid. I don't know. That's. You drink coffee. That's different. That's coffee. <laughs> Coffee's not a soup. What are we? What are we doing? Are we? Is this like? Are Are we in the middle of the NBA off season? We're doing like a is coffee soup segment. It's a broth. You know. <laughs> it's a broth. <laughs> It's a good. We have our it's finest coffee broth. bean. We have our our finest coffee bean broth here for you today. I just because I, I I told it like I I hop on here and I was like yeah I just realized it's like three o'clock and I've barely eaten anything. I had a bowl of ramen and now I just had to stuff my face with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And you said yeah I I can't stand ramen and I was like that's weird. Well, how about pho? Nope. How about, like, there's no kind of, do you like stews? No, not really. Chipinos? Like, just I don't nothing. even know what that is. You could have just made that up. I don't. Well, chipino is like this, I, I mean, you wouldn't like it because it's not vegetarian, but it's like a, it's this Italian soup with noodles and a whole bunch of seafood in it. It's glorious. I had some in San Francisco once and it was just, wow. And yeah, the idea that you wouldn't like any of that is just crazy to me. It's like this. I, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know. Yeah, if I, I don't know. I'm just I've I've never I've never been into it. I don't know. I'm seeing lot, I'm seeing lots of support in the comment section for my takes, and so where you know no in, way in, in well just in our Slack. Um, Zane, thank you, Zane, for watching for your patronage and your support. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've just I've never I I don't I don't really have anything to elaborate on. I've just I've never liked it. I, it's not to the point where like I won't eat it or something. Like I will eat soup if it comes with a meal or you know like I guess tomato soup with like grilled cheese and stuff like that's good. Um, but yeah, then it's, it's more broth. of a dipping sauce than like <laughs> than a soup. Um, but yeah, just eating it by itself. I don't know. I've never like really like I'll eat it. I'll eat ramen. You know, Mia made ramen a couple weeks ago. Um, but I, I, it's save. not solid yeah. save. Just in case she's well, I ate it. I, yeah, no, I mean I ate it. I'm not. It's just not. It's not my thing. It's not my. It's not my favorite type of food. So when you were like, yeah, I, I had ramen for breakfast. I was like, oh, that's a bold choice. And and then uh, you know you kept questioning me. And yeah, I'm just I'm not a big soup guy. <laughs> just insane. It's just crazy. I look forward to soup season. Like it gets it gets cold, and I get excited because 
all of these food options are now present to me. And this idea that, nope, no, that's not something that... Is there a food that you flat out will not eat? I mean, other than meat. Uh, uh, yeah, other than meat. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, uh, you're so, you're so like, Not really. I'm, like... And agreeable that, like, yeah, like, you won't like stuff, but you'll eat it because you're polite. But is there anything that, like, that, that, that pales, that, that comes before your politeness because of how much you hate it? I guess maybe like ranch or mayonnaise or, you know, like those, like, but even then I'd still eat it. Like if I had to, to make, <laughs> you know, like it, if it was the only thing available, but yeah, I, not really. I used to be really picky as a kid, but I, you know, my palate has expanded. All right. Well, I'm going to try to like, this is literally going to be in the back of my mind. all show. <laughs> this is like forever. I am. I'm glad I'm, I'm going to friend... win. I'm going to win. I'm going to win every debate today. Cause you're going to be on your heels. <laughs> Our our friendship is forever altered. I don't know who like I, I don't understand how somebody can not like soup. Um, all right, today on the show we are going to talk about uh, Darvin Ham's coaching. I think last night was a bad Darvin Ham game. Um, another bad Darvin Ham game. I think he's kind of costing the Lakers some wins here and there. Um, we are going to talk about uh, the next twenty four hours in which the Lakers. Um, you know, I talked a second ago about food options returning to me based on the season. Uh, trade options, apparently, are going to be flooding through the door in the next 12 or so hours for, for the Los Angeles Lakers and everybody around the NBA. Um, and, and, and yeah, we'll just kind of see where else this all heads from there. Uh, yeah, let's start, let's start, though, with Darvin Ham. Um, I think we're, we're far enough into the season where... We can have a, a decent. We can we can we can have takes, right? I think there's enough there's enough of a sample size here where we can have takes. We can have thoughts. We can contextualize those thoughts, and we can offer up disclaimers for those thoughts. Um, but I think I think we're far enough into the season, and he's made some of the same mistakes over and over and over again, often enough that there are parts of his approach that can be, I think, criticized. Um, the one thing that everybody is, I think, going to point to is the starting lineup. It's the first thing you see every game, um, even before the game. You, you find out that this is going to be the group that they're going with. And Harrison, I think they're costing themselves points. I think they're they're costing themselves, they're, they're digging a hole for themselves right at the beginning of the game. For whatever reason, this has become a staple of the LeBron James era that, like, they just hate starting the right lineup. Um, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think there's a correlation between this phenomenon and uh, LeBron. But yeah, I, I think this whole you know three guard and LeBron and AD lineup has got to go. I just don't think it's 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 working out here for the Lakers. And you know, it's kind of maddening. What I get frustrated by is you know normally coaches will look for any excuse whatsoever to not change a lineup that's working, especially a starting lineup that's working. They're, they're 11 and 16, so you can't even say that, that this whatever they're doing is working. Yeah, and it's the not one, like the JaVale thing in year one where it's like, you know, hey, yeah, you, yeah like they're kind of costing themselves some points, but they are they have like the best record in the NBA, so it's probably not that big of a deal if this is keeping right. everyone happy. Yeah, um, that is not the case here. Uh, and, and the you know their biggest win of the season maybe their biggest win of the last few seasons was against Milwaukee 
and they did change their starting lineup after that one. And I just, yeah, I don't know if it's a politics thing. I don't know if it's a Darvin Ham, Patrick Beverly is, or Patrick Beverly's Darvin Ham, what Avery Bradley was to Frank Vogel. Um, I don't, I, these try hard point guards who slap the four and look like they're working hard on, on defense. Get out of my life. I hated you guys back in high school and I hate, I can't stand watching you play now. Um, yeah. What, why do you think, do you think this is something that, that will be addressed? Like, do you think this is something that, that, that we're just going to have to deal with? So first of all, I'm floored by the admission that there is a sample size that you wait for before having takes. Like, what were what were the last like twenty games worth of takes? Where were those coming from? What like what do you mean you're you're like you know we have enough we have enough of a sample size that I can finally start to make some judgments? What have you been doing? <laughs> well, all right. I mean, if you're gonna ask, I I generally like I'll have preconceived notions on certain parts of basketball, and if the data challenges those things i'll kind of sit it out and i'll see how things look you'll look for other data that confirms your no no no. (laughs) fair whatever (laughs) but like but i i'll i'll look for i'll look so like so for example one example here is russell westbrook and rajon rondo last year and russell westbrook and dennis ruder this year um that is not a basket that is not a combination in basketball that i thought to myself that could work right and and heading into like Rondo that, and Westbrook even less so, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and and you know, and lo and behold, they were terrible last year, right? That combination yeah. was awful last year. And so, like, right when I saw it for the first time, I said, "Nope, that's enough of that." <laughs> <laughs> the, the the sample size on that was thirty three seconds, and I was just like, "We're good. <laughs> we are set. That is not something that I need to ever see ever again." And I think this year we get Russell Westbrook and Dennis Schroeder and same kind of thing. Seen it, we're good, move on. Um, but I think with somebody like Darvin Ham, who there is a lot to like, like I'm not, this isn't me killing Darvin Ham. I, I don't think he's doing a particularly great job, but I also think he's a rookie head coach put in an impossible situation, right? Um, yeah. But like when it comes to grand macro level takes about a rookie head coach, I do think it it does take a little bit of time. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I I respect your restraint that you had. You, you actually, honestly, I don't know that, and maybe I've just missed it because I've been on Twitter less in sort of this new role, and you know, I've been actively trying to avoid your tweets as usual. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't. Maybe you have been criticizing him on the pod or on the, the Twitter, and I just haven't really seen it. But I do admire the restraint for like for you waiting twenty games to <laughs> complain about someone is like you know you're like that ki- the meme of the kid with like the veins popping out of his forehead. Like I assume that's been you for like the first twenty games, but the veins are like three times bigger. They're like protruding from his skull. Like yeah, you're I just think, ready like, to. Like, you're completely red, just ready to explode. <laughs> They're like, no, I actually used gotta, to have, gotta I give used, it 20 games. I used to have a jawline. Like it used to be like my face used to be narrower, but me just clamping down with my jaws at all times has made it so my face is expanded. Like it's just, yeah, I'm that's gnawing it. at my teeth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's my love for soup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, all the, it's all the soup. Um, 
But no, like I, and, I, but no, go, yeah. just to sort of get back to your original question about uh, Darwin and the starting lineup and all of that stuff. The fact that they did kind of go to a different group in the Milwaukee game does make me think that he's still sort of experimenting a little bit. And we've seen coaches, you know, time and time again of, you know, Frank Vogel and Luke Walton and, you know, like going back years and years where it's like, oh, you know, I want to get an X game sample, like with which mm-hmm. to sort of judge this lineup. And I kind of want to experiment with this thing for five games, 10 games, whatever whatever it may be. So I don't think that he's necessarily going to be married to this starting lineup group. Like if it continues to not work and the Lakers continue to start the game in a hole, but for as much as I think people have been honing in on Pat Bev and you and I talked about this last week a little bit, you know, even checking back in a week later on the most appropriately named show in podcasting after that loss last night, I loathe basketball, um, Mm -hmm. doing our latest sort of like, you know, net rating advanced look at live look in thing. The Lakers are still slightly better on the floor with Patrick Beverly out there than they are with him off. Now, again, that's like there it's by. 0.3, you know, of a difference, and both numbers are in the negative, and so it's, you know, like the team has not been good, they've been slightly less bad with Beverly, but it's negligible, so the idea that it's just like him that is leading to these deficits or these, you know, like these issues or whatever, like that just doesn't really completely hold up in the data, I understand why, because I, I too watched him talk trash to Bojan Bogdanovic while he had the greatest quarter literally of his entire career and just hit three after three after three over Pat Bev like he was a particularly yappy folding chair, um, you know, and fouled him on multiple threes. Um, You know, like, I get it. Like, the, the mistakes are loud. He's sort of an obnoxious player, just in the sense sort of like of. no Laker fan. There's no Laker fan that was like, oh, you know, you know who I was a big fan of and always wanted to be a Laker was Pat Bev. Like that person does not exist. And so yeah. he was sort of like set up for criticism from the beginning. And the offensive stuff is incredibly loud for as many like kind of good things as he does on defense. The team is still better on the floor with him on defense than they are without, you know, like significantly. So that's really the source of them being slightly better, you know, uh, when it, during his time, the offensive stuff is really loud and he's bricked a bunch of shots he he missed two layups last night uh just completely wide open layups that he just bricked it was sort of incredible and I, I, so I, I completely empathize and understand with why people are sick of Pat Bev, but I think that the Lakers' problems like he's an easy scapegoat but he's not the only scapegoat and so I'm not willing to like blast Darvin Ham too hard for Pat Bev specifically what I think is sort of a more legitimate criticism is the three guard starting lineup I think that that I think they're too small and so I don't think that it can be I don't think that it can be Pat Bev Dennis and Lonnie and you know out of those guys then it's really like you know it's Pat Bev or Dennis that you're considering benching because Lonnie has been arguably the third best player this year you know at times um he's certainly in the top five top six yeah uh and so he's got to be out there. Russ is establishing the six-man role. So it's really like Dennis or Pat that you're considering sitting. And I'd be fine sitting either. I think that Dennis has shown a little bit more utility alongside like LeBron than he has in units without him, which is why I would sort of argue for keeping him out there and probably still argue for putting Pat Bev on the bench. But I also, you know, to 
to Ham's you know point of view, I I like Austin Reeves off the bench with Russ. I think that those two complement each other really well. And so I know that there's a lot of clamoring for Austin to start, but I think that those two are fairly symbiotic as a backcourt combo. And I like that group. So like I sort of get where the criticism is coming from, and I agree that they're too small. I'm just not sure that with this roster construction, there's a good yeah. answer to fix this. And, you know, maybe it's maybe it's Troy Brown, but then again, that sort of, like, he's been in and out of the rotation, and I, I think he should probably be in the rotation. But, you know, he also has made some fairly loud offensive mistakes, uh, speaking of Pat Bev. And so, you know, it, it's complex. These are not easy decisions. And I get that it's really easy to yell about Pat Bev, and I was as annoyed with him as probably anyone last night. And it led to me, you know, we were talking in Slack about how much Russ must be enjoying this. It's like the Lakers brought in his worst enemy to yeah. You know, and just fail and like enemy struggle. He's like Russ is literally showing up to his biggest haters' funeral. Um, and so uh, like on the sidelines, and so you know, it's just I, I get it. I don't particularly enjoy the Pat Bev experience either, but I also don't think that the answer is super easy. Yeah, and that's the context that I think is really important here to mention. It to be fair to him, right? It's kind of like last year complaining about rotations with Frank Vogel when the team was shit, right? Like yeah. there's. And and I think once again they're, we're they're seeing... like bench DeAndre Jordan. He's like for who? <laughs> yeah, right, right. And so Dwight like... can't move. <laughs> right, like Dwight played. Dwight played last week. He still needs another week to recover, and then yeah, he'll he be can't, available. Like, like I, yeah, yeah, the whole the whole rest of the roster six four guards. What do you want from me? <laughs> so like, so yeah, like you know, and and you know when we talk about when we talk about Darvin Ham, when we talk about these decisions, right? The I think. The disclaimer over all of it that we need to offer up is there is no easy solution here because the team is bad, right? Like yeah. if the team is bad, then there's just, you know, as a head coach, you, you're only given so many cards to play. And if you're playing Uno and all of your cards are draw 25 or, or like whatever the opposite of draw 25 cards is for yourself, like you're just kind of, you're, you're going to lose that Uno game. You know, yeah. Um, and and like I, I just I did I did really quickly pull up some numbers here about that agree Patrick with Beverly. you. You you want to go look for some, <laughs> for some <laughs> for some stats that back up your takes? Maybe. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I think there are two counters to what you're talking about with Patrick Beverly that the Lakers are slightly better with him on the court than when he's off of it. A lot of his minutes come with LeBron and with a Anthony Davis. He's never out there. For a good reason, right? Um, he's never out there that's just kind good, that's of... That's a fair point. Yeah. That, that, like, he's not out there running the second unit, and, and if he was, <laughs> his numbers would look significantly worse, right? Um, and yeah, that, and then that, I think we could criticize him for that. If, that, if, if he had Pat Bev <laughs> out there running the second yeah. unit, I think that would be a legitimate point of criticism. What's funny, though, is that, like, so while I dislike the Patrick... Gotta Beverly open up the floor, or... let Pat cook. <laughs> But like while I dislike the the Schroeder Rust lineups, like I don't think that's ever going to work. I do think Pat and Russ has a better chance of working. So if you did want to like make the super easiest move here and 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 bring Austin Swap to the Austin starting for lineup, Pat. and yeah, like I I think that's worth looking at a little bit more. But so LeBron and Beverly in 361 minutes so far this year, offensive rating of 104. Defensive rating of 106.5, um, a negative 2.5 rating there. And if you're turning LeBron in 100 in 361 minutes, which is not nothing, into a negative NBA player, Pat, look, 
Okay. I I absolutely despise you for putting me in the position of defending Patrick Beverly, but uh-huh. you know, LeBron LeBron there hasn't been great. Time, LeBron, LeBron has turned himself into a negative NBA player a few times this year. I'm just going to, you know, look. Especially, like especially I'm not willing to put game. all of that on Pat. Also all fair. I'll say. All right. All right. That's, that's a good counter. I'm glad you mentioned that. I don't think we can say the same about Anthony Davis, though. Not really. No. Okay. I, I think maybe, you know, one or two bad games, but not really. Uh, why uh, 420 minutes that uh, LeBron that uh, Patrick Beverly and Anthony Davis have been on the court together? Blaze they it. have, huh? Blaze it. What's, yeah, right. It's a high number um, yeah. for my liking. But so 106.7 <laughs> uh, offensive rating, 106.8 defensive rating for a minus 0.1 net rating, and I'm sorry. Hell yeah, Pat! <laughs> Only getting outscored by 0.1 points. <laughs> But if you're turning, you're Anthony talking Davis, me into it. I'm re- I'm ready to go. <laughs> if you're turning Anthony Davis this season into any kind of a negative player, my dude, <laughs> like what? That's what are we to doing? To be here? fair, that is a very small negative, and you know that's like if anything, but that, that's Anthony that Davis has to be a clear positive. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, that's, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Some of that, again, though, is that these lineups overall are just too small, which sort of, I I guess, like, to me, that's the best argument for what you're saying is maybe, you know, maybe the Pat Russ lineup against bench units, like, there's not as many guys that can take advantage of that. You know, maybe you sort of throw him in there and you swap him with Reeves, and that is, like, I I certainly think that it's worth trying and seeing if you can deal with a little bit of the size deficit, but it also sort of comes with some of these drawbacks where, you know, you don't, you no longer have that connecting player alongside Russ that is sort of helping, you know, with secondary playmaking and, you know, taking a couple possessions yeah. here and there. And, like, you know, we all watched Pat Bev miss two lay- wide-open layups at the rim <laughs> last night. Like, you know, like if— I, Harrison, if, I threw my phone. I haven't done this in years. But I slammed my—we have, have a big rug. So, like, I did the math as I was getting ready to do it. But I threw my phone down on that rug. And I knocked out my ability to text for the entirety of a night. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, so my point is, is that in some of those backup lineups, which, you know, there's an argument to be made that you should not be prioritizing your backup lineups over your starting lineup. So that's probably the fairest yeah. counterpoint here. Mm-hmm. But in those backup lineups, you know, like there are times where you can get by. It's like, OK, we're going to let Austin Reeves cook for a possession or two. And he's been really good in that role. If you let Pat Bev cook for a possession or two, you're burning the house down. So, like, I just don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that, that I, I, again, I, I think that is probably the way that just talking this through with you, that's probably the way that I would go. I think it's at least worth trying. But we've also seen coaches often prioritize veterans over, mm-hmm. you know, over younger players for locker room reasons. And for, you know, if they feel like, you know, I, I, again, I don't know that I totally buy into the Pat Bev leadership effect when he is the one that is getting you lit up by, you know, various guys because he won't stop talking trash as they keep scoring over him. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to, like, quantify that value, but I do think that there is something, I guess, to his energy, and maybe Ham feels like the guys are inspired of it, and maybe you start to lose him a little bit, or you start to lose, you know, lose some sort of like uh you know a hard to quantify element by taking him out of the starting unit i i i i don't know the answer to those questions yeah uh so i i did you know just in terms of the the last the last number that i had here um that i wanted to offer you up is the patrick beverly anthony davis lebron james minutes 
um, which I lost because I have ADD and I went <laughs> off and I looked for something else. Um, so, all right. So LeBron James, Patrick Beverly, Anthony Davis, 257 minutes together, 102.5, uh, offensive rating, a defensive rating of 106.1. That is a negative 3.6 rating. And yeah, like you're talking about some of that is, is, but that's better guys. than the Lakers defensive rating on the season. <laughs> okay. But, but it is, I'm just saying you just, here's my thing. And this is what's driven me like batshit crazy over the, over the LeBron James and Anthony Davis era is the Lakers just complete misunderstanding or misprioritization, uh, misprioritization. I think I said that right of so. maximizing LeBron and Anthony Davis like this. And, and they don't know how to do it. It seems like they, you know, clearly if you're looking for, if you're waiting and we're going to talk about DeMar DeRozan here in the second half of the show, which I guess we've already kind of sort of arrived at, <laughs> but like, but if we're going to talk, like if, if you're waiting to make a move in hopes that maybe just maybe DeMar DeRozan becomes available, that tells me that you still have no fucking idea how to maximize LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Cause he has some, a lot of the same issues come with him that you've had to deal with and overcome with Russell Westbrook. Um, but yeah, like I, I, all of the Anthony Davis, LeBron James combinations, and I can, I can find, I'll, I'll find those two guys just isolated on their own. Um, because I think that's important here. So LeBron James, Anthony Davis on the season, 106.9.6 offensive rating, 107.3 defensive rating. So it's a, a slight positive over the over 420 or 469 minutes. Um, I, like this is the this is the part. Wait, that, so that, they've only played they've only played 49 minutes total without Pat Bev alongside, or I guess. No, that's not yeah. quite because that was the AD Pat Bev pairing. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, yeah, probably yeah. Pl probably less than that. <laughs> so the the lineup. So it's not. I mean, some of this is injury is due to injury, right? But LeBron James and Anthony Davis aren't in the top five for most played most minutes played together in terms of two man combinations. The most the the two guys have played together the most so far this season have been uh, Anthony Davis and Lonnie Walker. Um, but like I, I I don't know. I think. Like if 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 we were just allowed to um, operate the way that people think the Dodgers operate, right? Where um, what they'll do with pitchers is they'll get them in and they'll say, "Hey, you have this elite pitch. Let's throw this elite pitch more than any other pitch in your arsenal by a lot, and we're going to maximize this one pitch. and And this is the way that we are going to make you a better pitcher, right? And countless pitchers have come to the Dodgers and left the Dodgers richer uh, because of because of that approach right and and I think here with this rotation the Lakers have a 106 mile an hour fastball with LeBron James and Anthony Davis as a combination and I think you need to maximize that 106 mile an hour fastball by by you know surrounding those guys who um, the, 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 the core requirement has to be maintaining those to that, your combination. If you're the third person in that three person combination, you have to be a positive. And if you aren't with those guys, then you're going to be on the outskirts of the rotation. And I think because of Patrick Beverly's inability to shoot this year, and because he isn't creative enough on the ball to make up for it, and he isn't 
good well, enough. Well, he's defensive. creative. It's just you know the the <laughs> output creative ways. Yeah, to, to the drive output me of that creativity. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like it's not it's not getting high marks from critics. But like, like I think with with uh, Pat, like he's not good enough defensively anymore. He is still solid. Like the reason that he's you know, he has the numbers in terms of positive impact that he's had so far this year, not just because he plays a lot of those minutes next to LeBron and AD, but um, a big part of it is because, like, he is one of the Lakers' better defensive guards. Um, that said, he's still... That's a fair point. You know, when you get replaced by Kendrick Nunn at times, it's like man. that defense. Well, here, you know, if we're going to talk about Darvin Ham, stop playing Kendrick Nunn, man. We're done. We're good here. I'm... Yeah, I'm at, I did not expect to be, what are the Lakers? They're like 23 games in, something like that, 25. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was not expecting to be at the point where I was like, I don't know if Kendrick Nunn is an NBA player. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he came in there last night, and, you know, it's already frustrating enough to watch him on offense, where he's clearly gunning and trying to get himself going um, so that he has a contract after this one, which, by the way, I'm not positive he will. Um, yeah. And then... <laughs> And then you watch him on defense, and there was a play that the only reason he didn't get a, a defensive three-second on this play was because people kept cutting in front of him in the key. And he was just kind of like wandering, wandering around the paint, which is fine if you're like DeAndre Jordan, Damian Jones, Anthony Davis, and you're huge, and you impact people at the rim. But if you're Kendrick Nunn, you can't spend the vast majority of your time on defense in the paint. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and guess that Nunn, that, uh, that Darvin Ham is not like, you know, Kendrick, I think we need you protecting the rim. They have Kendrick Nunn in drop coverage. Like, it's just... <laughs> I was watching that, and he was out of the game soon thereafter, um, in fairness to Darvin Ham. But I, I, I think we're set on the Darvin Ham. Ham has had a pretty short leash with him, I think. I think yeah. they're trying to give him moments to see if he can start hitting some shots. But, yeah, yeah. there. I mean, there have been a couple DNPs. Like, he's good. I, I think Ham has sort of figured out that, you know, this guy's probably not the answer to very many questions we're asking. Yeah, Rob... Rob is sending emails to Ham. Hey, we getting none in the in the game today? And those are emails that Ham needs to start sending to spam. Like, yeah. I think in general, you could probably send Rob's emails to spam. I think that's why the Lakers haven't made a trade, is that he sent so many spam emails that nobody around the league is answering him. But like that 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 email thread in particular is one that like you can just really ignore. I think that's that's a good one <laughs> that we can just live without. Yeah. Um the other thing here that uh, before we move on, I, that I want to talk about with Ham, and I think it's really hurting them, uh, in, in, especially late in games. I understand, like, again, I, I think it's always important to offer up context here. I understand why he's taking the approach that he is, but I think it's a, an approach that he has to change, where the Lakers have a lead late in the game, and he tries to let the, the guys just kind of play through their errors and try to fix themselves on on the fly. And you know, look, Phil Jackson famously was was somebody who said he did all his coaching in practice. The games was all about the players executing. Um, the thing is, Phil Jackson had better teams, and and <laughs> and and I think like these games, the margin it's a hot for take <laughs> slightly. Um, the, the 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 Lakers have such a thin margin for error. It's so razor thin that you know when that momentum shifts 
it shifts in a big way, right? Like last night, I thought it was really there was there was there was a play where I think Grant Williams not or Derek White knocked down a three. No, Grant Williams knocked down a three in the corner, and then LeBron passed the ball to Russ, who didn't go back to get the ball. Derek White goes in and he steals the ball. That right there was momentum shifting, and everybody saw it. And I, I, you know, to Darwin's credit, I think he did call a timeout there. They did try to regather themselves, but they come back out, and I think they reassumed some of those bad habits that have really hurt them so far, especially late in in games where they just walk the ball up the court and they run super rudimentary uh, sets, and and that's if we want to call them sets. It's essentially LeBron calling Anthony Davis up to the top of the key. And, and running a pick and roll that doesn't really accomplish anything and forces them into a shot late in the shot clock. Um, I, I think Darwin needs to be quicker on calling timeouts and reminding and forcing the Lakers to run something. Just get into or to anything. Just get, or just to get them a breather at times. Like This yeah, is a relatively too. thin roster, and I think he actually, I believe I saw this last night, he said that he should have taken some more timeouts down the stretch of that game to kind of get guys some rest and stuff. And, you know, to his credit, he's taken responsibility for these things. Like, when they have sort of gone wrong, he's pointed the finger at himself, and he's taken the blame, um, you know, which I think is a good quality for sort of a leader to have, mm-hmm. is to be willing to sort of take that and not just be like, well, you know, Guys, like, you know, I wouldn't want to be in a foxhole with these guys. That's all I'm saying. Um, and uh, in actual you things, know, in actual yeah. coach said, <laughs> no, well, yeah, they, they might shoot me in the back, uh, was the full quote. Um, yeah, so he's not doing that, which is good. Um, and, and, but I, I think, you know, maybe the point where you can criticize him, you know, sort of circling back to the pat lineup, you know, whatever stuff is. You know, there are times where down the stretch, if you're blowing one of those leads or if a guy's kind of clearly not fitting in, things are not working, like sometimes you got to change that lineup. And it's one yeah. thing to start guys because you have an idea of like, okay, these are these lineup constructions that make sense. And I sort of want to kind of get everyone their rotation minutes and figure this out and sort of slot it all in and make sure that that's sort of running on its own. But at the end of the games, like you got to be willing to make kind of more decisions on, okay, let's kind of roll with the guys that either brought us back into this game or if guys are running out of gas let's get a quick sub like let's make this lineup isn't working let's get a quick sub rather than just kind of letting them play through it and being like okay well you know maybe this time pat will like be as tall as bojan bogdanovich yeah (laughs) do you think do you think it's like cross their minds to although that's a bad example i think you bench pat that whole fourth quarter i think he's like you know what you did go (laughs) go sit down over the best coaching move of the year he's like all right we're not going we can't us. let we can't let Bojan score 25 points in the quarter again. <laughs> but yeah, I, I and and look, it, like I think a lot of the clutch issues kind of come back to the fact that um Pat was supposed to be good enough to be in those closing lineups and um, he was supposed he, to be the ideal fit alongside LeBron right. units for those closing lineups as a defender yeah. who hits threes. Right. And, and, uh, you know, because Pat hasn't been that, it really limits Darwin's ham, uh, Darwin's options late in these games. Um, and, and I, I also think, you know, like, like I, I'm struggling to like not continue to yell and beat the table, you know, and, and get angry at the front office for doing this stuff. But 
you know, it, it, he is a rookie head coach, you know, and these are things, the, these are hiccups that we knew were going to come because he's a rookie head coach. And the fact that, you know, the Lakers entrusted a rookie head coach in this kind of situation, um, again, I think points to them not quite having an understanding on how difficult it is to win basketball games in the NBA. Because I think Kurt Rambis knows how difficult it is for a rookie head coach to win in the NBA. <laughs> Any head coach. Probably sees how many wins like Darvin has. He's like blown away. <laughs> You're allowed to do that in your first year? <laughs> I would love to sit in on a conversation between Phil Jackson and Kurt Rambis. Like, just like <laughs> Kurt, Kurt just always asking, how did you win? Like, how do people do this? <laughs> Phil just does like the triangle gesture. <laughs> No, he goes, (laughs) and then magically a wind shows up in his column. But yeah, I I think it's, it's the kind of thing that with, with, with criticizing him, um, it's impossible to criticize him fully and hold him fully accountable because of all of the other stuff that's going on. Right. LeBron hasn't been the best that LeBron can have possibly be uh, been so far this year. Um, you know, the, the Lakers as a group, it, it's a bad group that was put together. And there are some baselines that do not exist, um, that are not being reached. That makes it impossible for Darwin in some of these cases to figure this out. I don't think it's possible to put together a 10 man rotation that with, with the guys that the Lakers have right now and be confident for 48 minutes of that game. I, it's not, no, it's, it's not possible. And, and the Lakers are, you know, they're too old, I think, to rely on like a seven or an eight man rotation for 82 games. And so like this is the kind of situation that the Lakers find themselves in. And we'll we'll talk here in, in, in a second about like what the next couple weeks or so are going to look like and whether some of these issues can or will be addressed. But, you know, I, I, I do think we're far enough into the season. And I do think Darvin Ham has made these um, mistakes often enough that like the next time he says, you know, I, I should have handled my timeouts better here or I needed to bring somebody else into this lineup or, you know, us not winning here is my fault. It's going to start to sound like empty words because, you know, an apology is, an, is, is has to usually be a promise not to do that thing again, right? And, and if, you know, if, if somebody keeps apologizing for making the same mistakes, it's not, they aren't really apologizing. They're just, they're acknowledging that a mistake was made, but they aren't actually ever going to address the mistake. And, and yeah, I they're think, sorry you feel that way. Yeah, right. It's like, I'm sorry you're offended by the thing that I said. Um, and I, it's just, I, I, I'm rooting for him. I think there's a lot that he's done that's been really good so far this year. His relationship yeah. with Russell Westbrook has been, I think one of the better stories in the NBA so far this year. Um, and, and you know, his, he, he just seems like a good dude too. Like yeah, I, the he, positives have far outweighed the negatives I would say so far. Yeah. But the negatives are really loud and on a team that has such a thin margin for error, they need to be mitigated more. Like they have to, you have to start to limit some of these mistakes or else you know, they're going to keep losing what feel like winnable games. Um, all right, let's go ahead and, and really quickly here wrap up on, um, it is December 14th, 
December 15th is apparently when the Lakers options are going to open up. And, um, you know, I had somebody tell me, why do I keep ignoring the post-holiday deadline that Dave McMenamin threw out there for the Lakers? It's for my own sanity, dude. That's why. Well, I was going to say, when do you think that we get the first leak that it's like, well, you know, GMs yeah. who are famously just like really all about work-life balance and take lots of time off during the season yeah. to spend with their families. Uh, like right. not everyone goes to Disneyland during the trade deadline, you know, it's like, <laughs> but we're going to get the leak. It's like, well, you know, Rob just can't get a hold of these guys. They're all on, they're all taking their Christmas vacation, you yeah. know? Um, so I, I it's going to, it's going to be interesting. The new cycle here is going to be interesting. Um, I do think there are parts of the news cycle to this point that leave some reason for optimism, not necessarily in, in the Lakers interest in making a trade, but like, I think with some of the guys that they're that whose names are coming up, like Bojan is perfect for, for what the Lakers need right now. Uh, Kyle Kuzma is perfect for what the Lakers need right now. Poor asset management, notwithstanding. Um, I, I, you know, I do get a little nervous at this notion that they might hold out for DeMar DeRozan. And that's actually the last thing that I kind of wanted to finish this show out with is why? Like, like just, I'm sorry. I'm still laughing. I'm laughing just at the idea of the Lakers going to uh, like, like trade NBA.com and or fanspo, the trade machine. And they're like, well, it says it'll update on December 15th with what guys are legally going to be able to be traded. They keep trying to put these packages together in the NBA. It's like, oh, it won't be legal till December. And they're like, ah, shit, yeah. foiled again. All right. Kurt's we just like, got to no, start, man, the, the we gotta start running these. We got to start running these simulations on December 15th. We're just, uh, you know, just <laughs> let McMenamin know. We're, we're putting it off till then. Um, but why? Tell, why, tell, him to, why? tell him to fix ESPN's trade machine if he wants us to make a move so bad. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, the DeMar thing does not make a lot of sense to me. I honestly was one of the people, I think this is probably on air last year, I, you know, when we would talk about the, you know, the approximately 70,000 times DeMar DeRozan did an interview saying he thought he was going to be a Laker <laughs> um, while he was having like a career, not career year, but, you know, really, really good year. Yeah. Uh, arguably career year. One year. of his best year, yeah. One of his best years, yeah, ever. And he's doing this and everybody's like, oh, how could you choose Russ over that guy and da 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 It's like, yeah, I mean, DeMar Mars clearly has more left in the tank as an NBA player than Russ does, I think, at this point, it's fair to say, Mm -hmm. and more utility in those situations. But I don't know that the fit with him here is a whole lot better than what Russ's was. And it just kind of feels like the type of move you'd make so that people would stop making fun of you on Twitter about it instead of, like, an actual, (laughs) like, basketball fit. You know, like, I I think DeMar's great. Like, I'll do respect to DeMar. But I I just, again, like, we just saw him and LeBron on a Drew League team lose this year, you know? And that was, like, without AD in the paint, sort of, you know, like, uh, and all of that stuff. Like, it's I'm not saying that, like, based on one Drew League game is the reason the Lakers should not trade for him. But, you know, I... I, (laughs) It's not not on the list. (laughs) Yeah. Like... It, it leaves me with questions yeah. about how well those two would play off of each other. Uh, and, you know, like, I, I see John in the comments is saying that the Lakers need a closer and that DeMar would close the game. Like, you think DeMar is going to be getting those shots over LeBron or AD? Like, to me, that's not good process anyway. Right. And I, I certainly don't think that it's worth, 
you know, two first round picks, which is almost surely what it would take to get the Bulls to, you know, punt on this experiment if they're ever even going to, which, you know, I was talking on the Sacktown Royalty podcast yesterday. I don't actually buy that the Bulls are going to blow it up because, you know, as our friend Ricky O'Donnell was talking about on this podcast and has talked to us offline about many times, you know, the Bulls goal is not a championship. It's like the first round of the playoffs and DeMar mm-hmm. is closer to that than, you know, trading him for Russ and picks and, you know, whatever else it may be. So I don't actually buy that this is an option. So to me, I just don't really care that they're saying that they'll like potentially wait on this. Like, yeah, I think that's a dumb idea. But I also think, you know, like it may not, that may just be them trying to sort of continue to kick the can down the road and satiate people for why they're waiting. It's like, oh, well, they're waiting on an all-star. It's DeMar DeRozan. You know, you got to wait on that. What yeah. if it's Bradley Beal? No, I mean, it's the theory that I give you, right? That, like, the, they just keep test ballooning names that will get <laughs> Lakers fans to shut up for a little bit, you know? And it's yeah. just, whether it's Lakers fans or, or that inner circle where where they're like, wait, we can get DeMar? What? You like, know? I think <laughs> DeMar, DeMar would probably help this team more than Russ does, I, I think. But I don't know. I, no, I think he would, but I don't, I don't know, know that it's enough to be worth two first round picks where it's like, oh man, the Lakers have a real big three. It's, you know, in two weeks, they would be like, oh man, how could they mess this up? The, these guys don't fit. Well, like, and this is the, but that's, the, I'm glad that you said that word fit because like, they just keep ignoring that as an idea is, is. But like, what look. if they brought DeMar off the bench and they continue to start Patrick Beverly? <laughs> right. You know, like it's just, well, 48 like, minutes, all stars, baby. <laughs> It's just it like this is the part of it with Demar. Like I, I don't think he's, I don't like I would have I would have much rather made the Indiana trade for two first rounders over trading for Demar Derozan. Um, and then on top of that, that trade is available now, right? Like the Lakers, they could just come off of their stance of their unwillingness um, to move those two first round picks, and that can get figured out now, but. This, I don't this, know. The Pacers have been like kind of spunky, and we know Herb Simon likes, you know, has a similar philosophy to Bulls management, yeah. and so maybe not. Like we don't maybe, know that for sure. Maybe, but like, all right, if it isn't available now, but it was clearly available before, right? Demar Derozan yeah. has never been available to the Lakers. It might never be available to the Lakers, and so it's not even that that, that the Lakers are waiting to use their ter- two first round picks um, for Demar Derozan. It's for maybe they'll have the chance to negotiate for DeMar DeRozan. So it's it's just, it is just further kicking the can. It is just further just kind of holding off because, like, guess what's going to happen if now DeMar DeRozan's available? Well, but do we really want to take on Nikola Vucevic? We aren't do sure he wanna, fits. You know, we watched that Drew League game. That guy? Yeah, like, um, do, they could take back Alex Caruso. Yeah, but, like, you know, the luxury taxes would still be a problem. Like, it's just, it just, it just feels to me like an opportunity to make another excuse not to do something. And, and I don't know this, this whole wait for December 15th, it was wait for 20 games. And then now it's, well, you know, he just can't get a hold of anybody because nobody wants to do anything before January. Then you get to January and it's like, yeah, but you're so close to the trade deadline that you may as well just wait for the trade deadline. Deadlines create action, Anthony, you know, yeah. And then, and then, and then after the trade deadline, it's like, well, you know, nothing really presented itself. And it's like, hold on, that's not true. That's not true because before the season, an opportunity did present itself. Like we, we know this, like it was right there. And it's just like, and, and I, I I don't know. I, I watch, I watch this team be competitive 
and take a Boston Celtics team that has been a buzzsaw for much of this year to overtime. I see them beat Milwaukee. I see them be competitive in the vast majority of their games. And this 11 and 16 record could very easily be 16 and 11 if it was just a somewhat sensible roster. But no, we're just going to keep waiting and we're going to keep waiting and we're going to keep waiting. And at some point it's like, if you can't like the, if we're honest about what is necessary from the front office this year, like it's really not that big of a lift, right? Like the, you, you did the important part. You did the difficult part. You brought in Anthony Davis. You brought in LeBron James. That's the hard part. It's, it's putting a, a group around them that should be the easy stuff. That's the easy part. That, the, the margins are, are the part of this that like you should be able to, to with two first-round picks, the fact that the, the, this idea that the Lakers have expiring contracts and two first-round picks and the front office is like pulling its hair out because they don't know how to fix this roster, then I'm sorry, man. <laughs> you're you're fungible you're replaceable you shouldn't be there well anthony how about this you know the the front office has heard you out and you know inspired by uh by my friend trill bro dude on his podcast uh the other day like i you know here's what maybe what their plan is you know they keep kicking the can down the road they wait till this summer you know they trade some of the like they they do sign and trade for kcp um, you know, mm-hmm. with the Nuggets, they like send some of these, like one of these guys to Denver with a pick. They yeah. save that cap space to re-sign Danny Green, uh, and they mm. figure out a way to, you know, pry Alex Caruso from Chicago. Yeah, but what about? Oh, I guess Kuzma could be signed with. Cap Kuz space comes back too? for the minimum. He just misses LA. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get the the whole gang back together. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Run it back. <laughs> <laughs> no. They wouldn't see. That's the thing, though. They could have that opportunity presented to themselves, and they wouldn't do it. They'd be like, "Now the bubble was be a like, fluke. The, be like those bubble frauds." <laughs> like, I like, so Rob's like, "Boo!" Asterisk, <laughs> boo. It's so hard. You're not to real champions. champions. <laughs> like, it, like I find myself constantly like typing out and deleting tweets in response to people who call the Lakers frauds because of the bubble. It's so hard to like defend that team knowing that the front office wouldn't even defend the front, that, that, that team. <laughs> They're hitting retweet. They're hitting like, <laughs> like, you know what points were made. God. Um, all right. Rob's so, listening to the Rob's listening to the Bill Simmons podcast. And he's like, man, this guy's making some points. Like, <laughs> Can we hire him? <laughs> I think president of basketball has... operations Bill Simmons <laughs> um, all right I think that's going to do it before I have an aneurysm um, <laughs> in terms of content uh, that is coming up the Lakers have a couple more days off before they play again on Friday thank God um, I think I think we all need it <laughs> after that one you know, I will say, like, if I do want to end on a bit of a positive note, um, I was actually kind of happy how upset I was losing that game to Boston. Like, so for example, the last year, the Lakers would lose some, like, cru- like when they lost to the Thunder, right? They, they gave up a 20-point lead to the Thunder, and I was just kind of, like, cackling. I was just like, these idiots, like, these guys suck. This this sucks. This year, like they just blown. blew a lead, and now Russ wants to fight Darius Baisley for like hitting yeah. a layup or something. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> like, these morons. I can't even get angry because I know this team sucks. Um, this year, though, 
like they lose that game to Boston and and I know that this like I'm not trying to do the moral victory thing here but I was like pleasantly surprised how annoyed I was that the Lakers lost that game that I was pleasantly surprised by how transparently pissed off LeBron and AD were because yeah. like that's the type of game where Russ, last year they're like yeah you know story. gotta gotta wait for Trevor Ariza to get back man I don't know what you want us to yeah. do like do we want to talk about, do we want to have a conversation about Anthony Davis's free throws or are we just going to continue to, I'm going to choose to believe that that did not happen uh. <laughs> again. <laughs> oh man. But, no, but do you, do you agree though? Like that? And I, I'm glad that you made the point about the guys who are actually losing that game, right? That they are actually upset about it too. But I think like it was, we were, we were heading towards, I think apathy. And I think the longer that they kick the can on this roster, um, the more I was kind of worried about it on that in. road trip when, you know, a couple yeah. of those losses where it's like, oh, does this start to become a habit? They just feel like we don't have enough. Why are like AD starts to say, why am I going this all out? Like if, mm-hmm. you know, the re- if it keeps being L's like, you know, LeBron sort of we've seen how he sort of reacts on the floor when he knows that his team doesn't have a shot. But both of them still seem to be playing hard and still trying to make this work. And yeah, I mean, I think the Lakers got to take advantage. I certainly don't think that that means they should be giving up two first round picks for DeMar DeRozan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think that there are hopefully things that they can do on the trade market, you know, wh- whenever they can get GM to start answering the calls. Like, I don't know <laughs> if that's going to be tonight or, you know, again, it's the holidays are weird. <laughs> We've all been there. You're trying to, you know, where I'm, like I, I, there were some people scheduled meetings with me for next week. I'm like, come on. I don't want that. Like, I, you know, I mean, I'm going to put a, I'm going to respond to maybe on this calendar invite, you know? Yeah. I was, I had a meeting yesterday with, with kissed my boss and I was just like, you know, this stretch is like the like November through the week before Christmas is kind of like the Friday of the year. November know? through the week before Christmas that explains yeah, like so much about you after after Thanksgiving. Like, yeah. like like Thanksgiving. Yeah, you're like yeah, you know these these seven weeks. It's kind of like all one Friday. <laughs> Well, if we're breaking up the I'm entire clock, year clocking, into a week, he's like, oh, you right? know, I'm, I'm I'm clocking out early, <laughs> like <laughs> if we're if we're if we're comparing the if we're breaking up the year twenty months of or twelve months of the year into seven days, three weeks or seven weeks or whatever it would be as one Friday would make some sense. Like it's it's <laughs> close enough <laughs> mathematically. <laughs> <laughs> what you aren't, what you really don't want to hear, is that I look at like the week leading up to Christmas through New Year's as a Saturday, and I just don't work. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't work normally. <laughs> you're like telling your boss, you're like, yeah, you know, I might record like just like one show a day. I might, you know, I I don't know, I may not edit them. And he's like, don't, do you normally do any of those things? <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. <laughs> anyway, this was Anthony's performance review for the quarter and uh, the and I loathe basketball. So, what I'm finding out is that I'm Tyler Ennis. Like I'm not particular. <laughs> I'm not particularly talented, and I don't work very hard. So, like, <laughs> I think I think oh, Kendrick Nunn go... might be a more you know apt comp for this yeah. year comp for this year's Lakers. I'm gonna go stare into a mirror for like a half hour now. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is my loss of the week. This is my my misfortune of the week is the the last two minutes of the show. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. That's going to do it, though, for this episode of the I Loathe Basketball podcast. Uh, make sure you guys uh, tune in tomorrow live for when we host the Lakers Lounge. Um, and then get ready for Friday when Aaron and I will preview uh, the the game that night as well as react to what I hope to be some new rumors, some new names. Yeah, no, I'm excited. December 15th, you can ask Aaron for the latest updates. You know, it's, we're, yeah, we're well, good to what go. What I'm looking – what I would – all I want from the next, like, 24, 48 hours is a name to come up who was not available before December 15th because to this point – Everybody who we keep talking about, the Lakers could have offered up a trade for before December 15th. Yeah, but so, they need those veteran minimums, like salary fillers, you know? It's just... <laughs> and all the guys that they're leaked they're leak to be offering could all have been traded already. Yeah, oh, this is so... Oh, no. We just we just figured out the whole Ponzi scheme. It's, it's, it's all of it. <laughs> I'm going to go drink something. We'll talk to you next week.